0: to pray in a minute for those who are out hunting that they are safe. I don't I think it's okay to pray that they're victorious uh, as many of you live off of that good food. But welcome Alma, welcome online and we're just glad that everybody is here today. We're in the second of a three-part series called Advance. If you were with us last year when this began, you are familiar with it. Otherwise, stay tuned. We're talking about how we are advancing the kingdom. Last week Pastor Allen really laid it down there for us on how we are to think about what we have, what we need, what we want. This week, we're going to go a little bit deeper in another direction to talk about that, but first, I'd like for us to pray together. If you have your books with you, you can take notes on page 22, and then there's some questions on 23 for you to answer, and later... Your commitment card that you're not doing anything with yet is on page 18, so we'll be talking about that. You know where they are now. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for you committed everything to us and to our salvation, to growing us to be more like you every single day, and you have promised to take care of our needs. You've promised to heal our infirmities, to comfort us in our times of sorrow. The Lord, we yield to you today and ask you to speak. We pray for healing on all who have been affected by COVID. Pray for healing on our nation. Pray for healing of all forms of sickness and illness, Lord. Protect those men and women who are hunting today. Keep them safe. And open our ears this morning to hear your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you were good test takers or are? You know, there are a few of you. Uh, I'm, I was a good test taker because I studied so hard to try to know the answer. I had a professor who once told me that when he was in school, there was one prof you always wanted to get because he gave the same test every year for like 20 years. And it was in Bible and it was in the study of Kings and Chronicles. And the test question was, Name all of the kings when they lived and ruled and everything that they accomplished. Well, knowing that going in, you're going to study and you're going to get it the best you possibly can. Well, my professor said, I was excited to take the course. I knew I'd learn a lot, but I also knew the answer. I went to the final. I opened up the page and it said, tell me everything you know about all the prophets in the Kings and Chronicles that are mentioned and what they accomplished. I said, "Well, how did you do?" He said, "I got an A." I said, "Did you know all of that?" He said, "No." I said, "I don't know anything about the prophets, but as for the kings of Israel." And then he wrote the whole thing about the kings. And he still got credit for it. You see, there's something about knowing the right answer. There is an answer that hopefully you already have in your mind, your heart, in your vocabulary. That when Jesus says, "Who do men say that I am?" you would respond to that properly because a day is coming when that question will be asked of everyone who has ever lived and is living. And there's only one answer. Matthew, Mark, and Luke covered that answer. We're looking at the gospel according to Luke today in chapter 9. Listen to what God says. Talking about Jesus. And it happened as he was alone praying... That his disciples joined him and he asked them saying, who do the crowds say that I am? So they answered and said, well, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah. Others say one of the old prophets is risen again. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. I also like Matthew's cover of it because he says, Peter answered, you, you are the son, the only son of the living God. It's very important to understand what's happening here. Jesus wants to make sure that they know who he is. They have yet to understand what they're supposed to do with that. But they need to be able to acknowledge, step one, acknowledging who God is in Christ Jesus. And so the name usually appears, writers of the scripture use it a lot, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is a title given him because he is the Lord of lords. The name Jesus means he shall save his people, so that's his name on this earth. And Christ is the office that he holds, the office of Messiah. So he is the Lord of all, the God-man Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That's what Peter is confessing on behalf of the disciples. That's what you and I must confess someday. You don't want to be forced to confess it, but the Bible says every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So those three appear there again. Why do we say it's true? Because truth is objective. It is not subjective. Let me tell you the difference. Here's a subjective statement. I saw it on a sticker years ago on the back of a car. It said, God's word, I believe it, therefore it's true. Now you're telling me that in order for something to be true, you must believe it? No. Truth is absolute. It is not open to subjective views. Truth is objective. Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, the truth, the life. So he's expressing an absolute. You may be running with people today, I've seen them before myself, who say, well, you can believe the way you believe, and that's okay, But it's okay for me to believe the way I believe. Well, if those beliefs conflict in any place, it's not okay. Because somebody's right, somebody's wrong, or they're both wrong. There's no way they can both be right when they're opposed to one another. The scripture is always right. It is absolute. And so it is from that absolute nature of truth that these men walking with Jesus could say, you are the Christ. We know that. But Jesus understood that this was so important. Someone said that Peter's answer, you're the Christ, is the irreducible minimum of the Christian belief. That's the starting point. Jesus is Messiah. He's not just a man who lived. He's the one who came from God was sent by God, is God, paid for our sins, returned, is seated at the right hand of God, and will come again for us. That's true whether you believe it or not. The question is, why don't you believe it? Because we live in a world of relativism today that wants to be kind to everyone, and let everyone hold their own view. I don't. I think you need to hold this view because this view is biblical. This is God's view, but we express it in love. I understand that I used to be where they are, but now I see the truth for what it is. Now, I believe that Jesus was actually setting these disciples up. He was thankful that they could confess him as being the Christ, but he wanted them to understand the depth of responsibility that comes with The payment he made for us. We didn't do anything to gain what we have received freely from him, but at the same time there is a responsibility that comes with being a follower of his. It's called sanctification. It's called knowing him and growing in him. It's a process. One of my closest friends who's now home with the Lord, Joseph Jennings, He's an African-American preacher who went around the nation speaking to young people and to gangs because he had been a gang leader in Southern California and in Indiana. He had been shot 13 times, still had three bullets in him. And he and I worked closely together for almost 27 years. Early in his walk of salvation when we first met, his grandmother, who loved him dearly and was a wonderful, strong Christian, lost her husband. And she invited Joseph to come and do the funeral. So he went and he performed the funeral. And when the funeral was over, they were walking out together. Everyone had left the church. And he said, grandmother, can I carry your purse for you? And she said, son, you may be saved, but I'm not sure you're sanctified. I'll carry my own purse. You see, sanctification is a process. Jesus is looking at these disciples and saying, okay, guys, my death is going to save you. You know who I am. But you're not sanctified. But I'm going to tell you today. I'm setting you up because I'm going to tell you today what it means. What you have to do. Someone said to me that my salvation may have come to me freely, but it cost Jesus his life. And now that I'm saved, I recognize it's going to cost me something. Not to be saved. That's free. But to live with the knowledge of what Christ has done for me and to respond to that knowledge has a cost added to it. And it's our obedience to what he calls us to do. Jesus wanted them not to live a life of being saved and stuck, as so many are. So he set them up. You've walked with me, you've seen the miracles I performed. You've heard my communication with the Father. You've heard me speak to the multitudes. You know who I am. I've even sent you out to do those same miracles. I've given you power. I'm going to give you more power to come. But you're not yet where I need you to be. To some extent, I think he could say that to any of us today. He could say to me, you know, you're not yet where I want you to be. I'm not totally sanctified. There are areas of my life I'm working on. But God loves you, and he loves me so much that he's going to continue this process. Look what he says in Luke 9, 21 and 22. He strictly warned them, commanded them, tell this to no one. Don't let anybody know yet what you know. Saying, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. This was new information to them. Here they'd been walking with him, hoping that he would establish the kingdom on earth that the Messiah was supposed to do, that he'd do it right here in Jerusalem, that he would overthrow Rome, and that they would be sitting there with him and be in leadership. That's why they argued, you know, which of us will sit at your right hand? Because that's what they were expecting. But now Jesus comes along and he says listen, I'm going to go up to Jerusalem and I'm going to be arrested and I'm going to be beaten and I'm going to be killed. I don't think they heard the last few words of that statement he made. I don't think they were listening when he said, and be raised on the third day. It's it's like when you, you go in and your job is now in jeopardy and they sit you down and say they're going to let you go as soon as they say we have to let you go. You don't hear anything else when you get that analysis of COVID and they say, you know, you have COVID. You, you don't hear anything else. Your mind is going somewhere else. They hear Jesus is going to die. Their minds are gone. They're not hearing about this resurrection that's coming. They're going to lose their leader. How are they going to move and do the things that he wants them to do? It's those last words that give us the power to do everything we do as followers of Christ. It's the resurrection that is key to the Christian faith. Read through 1 Corinthians 15 and and learn what Jesus says, what Paul says about Jesus with reference to the resurrection. So Jesus takes them a little bit deeper. Here he says, starting in verse 23 through 26, he's going to lay out for them now, what the responsibility is. It hasn't changed. It's for you and for me also. He said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him do three things. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Three things that he wants us to do. He wants us to deny ourselves, to pick up a cross, we'll talk about that in a minute, and to follow him. But it's hard to do, isn't it? Self-denial is is just almost impossible because we are born with self-indulgent spirits. We're born just wanting mine, mine, mine. You know, everything belongs to me. You see it in the two-year-old. I remember when I was 12 and I had this wonderful aunt, my mother's sister, who had no children, so I was like one to her. And we were shopping one day for Christmas and I was looking at little... Plastic toy airplanes. And she said, oh, those are so nice. Which one do you like the best? Here I go, self-indulgent. I like them all. And you know what? I manipulated her. I got every single one of the ones that they had on those shelves. 12 years old. Problem is it doesn't stop there, does it? We continue to live like that as we move on because we are so self-indulgent. But self-indulgence doesn't work. Self doesn't work. To deny self is to be able to say, okay, God, you're first. Everything that Pastor Allen said last week, you know, I'm going I'm to think of you first and what you want, not what I want. That's where we're headed with this, is if we will follow what God wants, you know what God will do? He will take care of you in his way, in his time, according to his purpose and his will. He never lets us go. Nothing can take his love away from us. And nothing can add more to it. So we're not talking about manipulating God. If I give to God, then God will give to me. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, because God gave to me, it is my heart's desire to put him first, not myself. And then do what? Pick up a cross. We'll see what that looks like in a few minutes. But first... I want you to hear a story. Shane Lee joined uh, our staff a few months ago. He's a wonderful man of God, lovely family. We're so glad that they're here with us. He is our director of groups. And we have his story about not being self-indulgent, but being obedient to God. Watch this with me.
1: so my family and I were initially connected to Community Church through my mother-in-law. Uh, she attended here at Community Church uh, and she had been battling cancer for a few years and we were so encouraged by how Community Church came alongside her and came around her in her time of need. Uh, and so we were living in New York at the time and so we were very encouraged by how the church came around her. Uh, this past March she actually went home to heaven and we had the opportunity to come here uh, for her service. Uh, Her service was here at the church and I had the opportunity and the honor to have a conversation with Pastor Wally for about 30 to 45 minutes prior to the service Uh, and I was just blown away uh, as he talked about Community Church uh, and how generous you guys are and how they partner with the community, how they partner with different ministries. Uh, I was just so blown away by the generosity that I was hearing uh, Pastor Wally talk about and so uh, my wife and I were living in New York at the time and we were on our way transitioning out of the church we were at uh, in New York and so I said to my wife we really need a place to tithe. We need to continue to be obedient uh, in God's Word and what He's called and put on our hearts. Uh, And so as we prayed and as we fasted and as we uh, talked to God in that, uh, He put on our hearts to start tithing to community church. Uh, As we were living in New York in March Uh, And so what God did is he connected uh, us to community church through advance. Uh, He used our obedience, he used our generosity to connect us to the church before there was a job, before there was uh, anything, before we thought or knew we were moving here a few months later, uh, God used advance uh, and our generosity to connect us to the church.
0: I just want to make sure you understand, he did not by his position here, by giving to advance. No, he kind of broke the mold of what some people think. One writer said Christians are not an undiversified, characterless, featureless, faceless, standardized, stereotyped, mass-produced religious product, because that's how we are viewed by many in this world. No, we are Christians, Christians. Followers of Jesus Christ who went to the cross. Let's talk about the cross. When he says, Pick up your cross, what does he mean? In Rome, the cross was the primary means of death in their empire. And it was a a vicious thing. When someone knew that they were about to die on the cross and they were told, Go home, say goodbye to your family, this is going to be done, take your cross, get up there on the hill. And it's all going to be done. Here's how a man describes it. He says, the cross made no compromise. It modified nothing. It spared nothing. It slew all of the man completely and for good. It did not try to keep on good terms with its victim. It struck cruel and hard. And when it had finished its work, the man was no more. That's how terrible it was. And yet Christ permitted himself out of obedience to go that route so that when they finally stuck him in the side, they knew that he had given it all. He was gone. It had taken everything. The cross had won. Little did they know those last words of that confession that Jesus said, but I will rise on the third day. Because on the third day, the cross now has meaning. The cross is a central focal point of the Christian faith along with the resurrection. That weekend makes everything we believe come true. So how are we to live in the face of that? Coming to Jesus is not about improving your life, though no doubt it will. It's to live out your destiny. He made it simple. He supplied the Holy Spirit, and he said, I want you to die daily. A friend of mine said you should take nails with you and crucify yourself every single day, figuratively speaking. Because we are to wake up worshiping him, to be led by him as we move through our lives, and to deny ourselves, pick up that cross, die every day, and follow him. And what will come of that? Well, apart from an eternal destiny where we are with him and with our loved ones forever and ever and ever, unimaginable, apart from that, it's here, it's now. We have the opportunity as individuals to advance God's kingdom, to see more and more people embrace the answer to the question, who do men say that I am? And that's our responsibility, all of us, everyone here, everyone watching, everyone in Alma, It's for us to take this message of hope that is absolute truth and to tell other people lovingly, this is the answer to your situation. This is what's going to get you where you need to go, dying one day at a time. Now today, we're talking about generosity as one of the ways of doing that because after all, the greatest act of generosity in history Is God sending his only son for us, that he would give everything for you and for me. We need to learn how to live at a higher level of appreciation to God, trusting him alone for everything and giving everything we have to him as he calls upon it, as you're in prayer, as you're walking with him, as you see needs that are out there, that you will meet those needs. I watched a video yesterday. It's one of those YouTube things that pops up while you're doing something else and it's this little girl in a restaurant and her dad says, go ahead honey, go ahead. And She's probably four years old. She takes a plate with a steak and some potatoes on it and she walks and she turns for a minute and her dad says, you can do this. She goes all the way outside and there's a homeless gentleman sitting on a bench and she walks up and she gives it to him and she gives him a fork and a knife and she walks back in and sits down and she sits there looking out the window like this the whole time and he said good job that's what love is wow the generosity giving away her meal to somebody else God's called us to be a generous people and certainly You have shown that that is the case. The 11 months that we've been participating in this together has been unbelievable. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But this being the second week of advance is the week that we really focus in on giving and on the card that's on page 18 in this book. And Pastor Aaron is going to present to you what we did last year that we called the Giving Ladder so that you have an understanding of what that looks like. So check the side screens and listen carefully to what Pastor Aaron has to say.
2: So what do you think so far? Uh, My hope is that you hear this vision for what God has for us as a church and that it gets you excited. And you start to ask, how can I be part of this? What step might God be calling me to make to participate in advance. Uh, Last week, Pastor Allen said, would you make a commitment to making a commitment? And right now, I wanna give you two practical steps on ways that you can participate in advance. Uh, The first is a way of thinking about generosity in our lives. And the second is a commitment that we can make. So first, we wanna talk about a way of thinking about generosity. Uh, Last year, if you were around for advance, we called this the giving ladder. Uh, this is a, a way of measuring what does it look like to take a next step when it comes to being generous. And if we take our first step up here, this first step we come to we call an initial giver. This is someone who's giving for the very first time. Uh, and this is actually a really exciting thing because the Spirit of God is doing something in their hearts. Uh, they could have kept that money, they could have spent that money, they could have saved that money, but they said, I want to give to the Lord something that belongs to me. And they're asking this question, Uh, What do I do with my stuff? Uh, What is God calling me to do with what I have? And if this is where you're at, this is an exciting spot to be. And so after an initial giver, the next step that we come to is an occasional giver. Now this is someone who gives regularly, uh, but there may not be much of an intentional plan or goal in mind. Uh, When the opportunity comes up, they might drop $20 or $50 in the giving box. Uh, They may even give online occasionally or text to give. Uh, And here's the question they're asking. Notice the difference from the first one. They're asking the question, what do I do with God's stuff? Not what do I do with my stuff, but what do I do with what God has given me? If we continue to move up the steps, the next step that we come to is this idea of an intentional giver. And they're asking this question, uh, continuing to say, God, what do I do with what you've given me? It's this mental shift of realizing that everything that we have comes from God. Uh, if you're new to church, there might be a phrase that you're not familiar with, and it's this idea that we call a tithe. And this is actually amazing vision from the Bible, this calling to say that 10% of what I have, I'm going to give to God as a way of saying, God, everything that I have comes to you. Now, for my wife and I, since we've come to this stage personally, uh, tithing has become a non-negotiable for us. Uh, 10% of what we have, we give directly to the church before we pay taxes, Uh, before we pay our mortgage, before we think about spending money on anything else, we say, how can I give first to God what He has given to me? Now, Now, I don't say this to brag. I say this to say this is just a normal way of doing the Christian life. And so an intentional giver is saying, God, I'm gonna give to you out of the resources that you've given me. But it goes beyond an intentional giver. Uh, God continues to challenge us when it comes to generosity. A surrendered giver is someone who truly comes to realize that everything that I have uh, comes from God. And so, a surrendered giver asks the question, God, what do you want me to give out of what you have provided? Uh, This goes beyond the tithe and really shows a heart of generosity. Now we come all the way to the top of our steps Uh, And this is someone we call a lifetime giver. Uh, They're asking the question, not what do you want me to give out of what you provided, but God, what is it that you'd want me to keep from what you provided? This goes beyond tie. this says, God, from what you have blessed me with, how can I be part of building your kingdom? What an amazing top step when it comes to generosity in our lives. And so my hope is that this is helpful for you to be thinking about where am I at currently? And maybe more importantly, where is God calling me to take a next step? Now, our second action that we want you to be thinking about today is our commitment card. And so if you have one, would you pull it out? And we're not asking you to fill this out today. In fact, I want you to be praying about how God might be calling you to participate in advance. But we did want to take a moment just to review what the cards look like so that you can intentionally ask God, how might you be calling me to join in? And so here we are at the halfway point, uh, the one-year mark of ADVANCE and we are asking everyone whether you filled out a commitment card for the first time a year ago or maybe this is your first time stepping up and saying, I want to commit to be part of what God is doing at Community Church. Uh, This card is going to allow us to plan uh, and to step forward uh, for this final stage of our journey. So the first box that you'll find at the top is saying, I'd like to make my first-time ADVANCE commitment. If this is you for the very first time committing towards advance, uh, what is God calling you towards in this next year uh, to give towards this initiative? And you can write that number right in that box. Or maybe in the second category, I'd like to expand on my planned commitment by blank. If you made a commitment last year and it was you stepping out in faith and God has continued to provide and to continue to step in for you, Uh, What is the amount maybe that God is saying, hey, I could give a little bit more in this final year. Write that in. And then our third box, keep my current advance commitment of blank. For many of you last year, God spoke to you directly and gave you a number to commit for these two years of advance. Uh, And if right now God is continuing to say, keep on keeping on, praise God for that. Write in the amount that you committed Uh, and saying, I am going to continue to give faithfully towards this mission. And then on your commitment card, would you also fill in your personal information, fill in your name and address so we can contact you if we need to. And then at the bottom, you'll notice that there are two more boxes. First, you'll see a box that says, contact me about my advanced giving as an automatic recurring gift each month. Uh, My wife and I absolutely love the convenience of giving online. We don't have to think about it. It comes out of our account each month. Uh, Even going back to that idea of the tithe, it's a way of us giving our first to God. And then right underneath it, there's another box that says, I need to make changes to my existing advance commitment. We also realize that this has not been an easy year. And for you, maybe, some major things have changed. And if you feel like, you know what, I still want to be part of this, but I need to make an adjustment. Mark that box and we would be so happy to connect with you uh, and help you uh, adjust your plan. Thank you for committing to fill out this commitment card. And wherever you're at in this journey, know that we are so honored uh, to be on this journey with you. And we can't wait to see what God is going to do through each of your commitments through ADVANCE.
0: Thank you, Pastor Aaron. Okay, this is the ADVANCE card. I want to tell you what's going to happen with it next week. You're going to pray this week see what God says to you, make the adjustments as were indicated there if there are any needed. And then next week if you're here in this service either in the Alma campus or at the Mount Pleasant campus, there will be boxes, big boxes with little slots and you will you can fold this, nobody'll see it. You can drop these in as you're leaving. Same thing in Alma. Now, if you're watching online, and you're not able to send this in you have the privilege of driving by here on Sunday afternoon or the Alma campus we'll let you know the times later but you can also drop yours in a box there and there will be staff and people to greet you when you come similar to what we did last week so what is advance for those of you who don't know I want to recap some of the things that have happened as a result of your tremendous giving. First of all, we have been able to operate as a church for the last year. In the midst of all the difficulties that we've all faced, we have never missed the budget. God has allowed us to have everything we need, both here and in Alma, to meet the needs of the people. That's exciting. God is good. We launched the Alma campus because of advance. We called Aaron Mora as the campus pastor. We added Jesse, who is leading the worship there. That was his wife with us uh, this morning up here playing the keyboard. And we also have uh, Katie Block, who is our director of Christian ed there. All of that because of you. Now, when the flood came into Midland, we participated in helping. We have a church that we partner there with that uh, does work on the ground with all of the people. And we sent funds to them. Our deacon ministry also sent funds to them. And we helped with United Way by giving them additional funds. When COVID hit, we were challenged. What will we do? Along with everyone else, we were so blessed by first responders that we decided to give them meals at the very onset of this event. And so we sent meals to the police departments, to paramedics, to Central Dispatch, to the Michigan uh, Mid-Michigan Health in Mount Pleasant and also in Alma. We helped out our care store that distributes goods to people who are in need. We helped Life Choices because the different retailers were running out of diapers and so we were able to help them put on three more diaper drives. Down in Gratiot County we funded the food pantry to help feed people. And then when school reopened, we partnered with some others and we helped put those plexiglass partitions in so that the students were able to go back to school. How could all of that happen? Because of you, because of your generosity. Because when you come to a point of understanding that it's not about me, it's about following him and everything belongs to him then suddenly it's a joy to be able to give last year my wife and i in our own circumstance cuz each of you has your own circumstance uh, we were trying to figure out what will we be able to do with all of these other things that are going on in our lives like we knew with two automobiles one 20 years old and one with 210,000 miles that we needed to be saving for another auto because we follow Dave Ramsey's principle. We pay cash for our cars and drive them until they die. And then we go get some other ones and they're always used. So we're wrestling through this and we had a plan. We had a great plan and all of a sudden COVID hit. And now some of those funds that you're putting up for the car, you have to buy toilet paper with and get other things with to make sure, you know, you're always adjusting, trying to figure it out. So we still had a plan. So one day in the summer, my wife is driving the 20-year-old car, leaving here to go to Lansing, and I'm following her in the 210,000-mile car. And as we're going down, white smoke starts coming out of the back of her car. And being a great mechanic, I had no idea what it was, I called her and I said, there's smoke coming out of your car. I said, it might be a water hose. I don't know for sure, but get off at the next exit. That was the Lake Lansing Road exit. She got off. She turned right. and By the time she headed almost up to where the champs restaurant is, I couldn't see her anymore for the smoke. So I stopped my car because I was afraid I was going to hit her. And I got out and as I did, I see a young man opening her door and I hear him say to her, run. Later I found out he was an off-duty sheriff's department deputy from Hillsdale County who saw that her car was on fire. That's what it looked like. It, the windshield imploded, the tires exploded, the whole thing went up in flames. And the back of that was several thousand dollars worth of materials for one of our daughter's summer programs for at-risk kids in the city of Detroit. So we lost everything, and I'm thinking, okay, this is a good way to replace a car, God. you know, How are we going to do this? What are we supposed to do? This is a 20-year-old car. I looked it up online, it's worth $700, you know, so, okay, so I guess we got $700 toward this, but our daughters decided that they would start a GoFundMe account. My wife had paid $3,500 for this car four and a half years before, so I knew we weren't going to get much for it. The Insurance looked at it, they gave me a call, she was in the car with me, and they said, we're very sorry that we can't do more, all we can do is give you $4,017. And I looked at her and I said, God just paid you $500 to drive this car for the last four and a half years. You know, you just can't outgive God. So we took that money and the money the girls raised through GoFundMe and the little bit we had yet saved and we were able to get a car. Now, do we get that car because we tithe? No. We get it because God is faithful. And yet, his faithfulness... I want to respond to it by doing whatever God calls me to do, and I trust that whatever my situation, he will meet my need through his riches and grace in Christ Jesus. So you go home this week and you pray, God, what do you want me to do? Every little bit counts, and God will bless you, and he will bless the movement of his kingdom through community church. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to praise you and thank you for your faithfulness toward us. Lord, some in this body, some watching and listening right now, have lost friends and loved ones, and we we cry with them and suffer with them. We don't understand. And yet, Lord, we know that you are in charge. You're in charge of this nation. You're in charge of the health of this nation. You're in the charge of your church that is throughout this world. God, you're the God of everything. And so we commit our lives to you. We, we do confess, Lord, that there's too much self here. So we get rid of self today. And the cross that we take up is nothing like the one Jesus bore. But we take it and we walk with it. And we say, Lord, whatever it costs, we want to follow you. So speak into our hearts now. Help us to consider what we are to do, and let us do it with great joy, confident that you will be blessed and you will bless us. For we pray these things in your name. Amen.